Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Tuesday, this, the 31st and final day in January of 2023. I'm your host, Michael Kimmett, bringing you four of the most crucial current events in cyber and technology that you need to make it through your Tuesday. And we're going to get started in Israel. There's a lot of geopolitical tension in Israel between uh, various ethnicities and groups there. And it has escalated substantially in the cyber domain. There is a massive, quote, hacking campaign where chemical companies in Israel are having their workers threatened via Telegram and social media with images that suggest that cyber threat actors have access to chemical plants purporting that they would be able to incinerate or burn the bodies of workers by attacking the plants remotely. And this is all aimed at getting Israeli individuals and folks out of areas that other ethnicities claim are theirs. And so this is another great example of groups using cyber to influence people for a political outcome. So if you live there, just know that it's unclear exactly what the technical capabilities to actually release chemicals in a chemical plant in Israel are, but uh, there is a real threat to workers from people who claim to be able to do it. And there's also political tension, obviously, in Ukraine. Uh, and we've talked about how Russian cyber actors are increasingly working hand-in-hand with military operations in Ukraine amidst a Russian invasion of the country. And we now know that yet another entity in Ukraine was targeted by state-sponsored threat actors using yet another wiping tool And there are a lot of researchers suggesting that this latest attack coincides very closely with missile strikes against very similar targets. Now, these latest attacks we only now know about because of some research and analysis that has taken place. So these actual malware attacks and missile attacks occurred in October of 2022. And what happened is that there was a missile strike against Ukrainian energy infrastructure designed to, as you would expect, to shut down power to the country that Russia was and is still invading. Now, we now know that the uh, Russian cyber actors uh, that are affiliated with the group, you'll see it reported as Sandworm, used a wiping tool known as Nico Wiper. And that brings the total to at least seven different wiping tools that the Russian government cyber actors can utilize. And this one specifically is a command line utility uh, that's used in Microsoft that allows the secure deletion of files. And so they weren't trying to hold power plants hostage. They weren't trying to threaten employees. They were trying to make these power plants non-operational. And we're just going to stay on Russia because um, there was a cyber attack that took place across Germany uh, over the last week in response to Germany's allowance and support of Ukraine in the way of tanks. NATO at large has concluded with Germany's final consent to supply Ukraine in the near future with tanks to support ground forces in their battle with Russia. This is a very contentious and political debate, 
and it spills over into cyber because immediately after this decision, a pro-Russian hacktivist group known as Killnet DDoSed banks and businesses in Germany. Well, that group apparently also feels that the United States has some blame in that particular decision-making because the group in their Telegram channel claimed credit for conducting DDoS attacks against a number of U.S. healthcare organizations and hospitals. And this was confirmed to be fairly accurate because many of the websites that were listed on that Telegram channel, which included nearly a dozen different healthcare institutions, were unavailable, meaning that people needed information about how to get to a hospital or healthcare could not do so. Now, these are not destructive attacks. They're simply disruptive. They'll be remediated and people can go back to their normal way of life. But it is a demonstration by pro-Russians. Again, we cannot conclusively link this hacktivist group to the Russian government. It's entirely possible it's just Russians who are acting out on their beliefs and personal national interests, and that those happen to align with the government. It's also possible that Moscow is directing the group somehow, whether through funding or an agent, but we don't know that to be true at this time. So we can't say that Russia did this. What we can say is that a Russian-aligned group has targeted the United States healthcare, likely in response for ongoing U.S. support to NATO and Ukraine, which Russia sees as incredibly offensive. And we're going to end today in the United States, where a French individual has been extradited after an arrest uh, last year. Now, last year, uh, French national Sebastian Rout was arrested in Morocco, and this is because it's believed that uh, Sebastian was at least aiding and or directly responsible for up to 60 data theft cases, uh, which means that those companies had their data, which uh, this individual then uh, tried to sell under the group banner Shiny Hunters. And again, since 2020, more than 60 companies worldwide, including giant ones like Microsoft and AT&T, had data stolen, and Shiny Hunters would try to extort those businesses for funds. And so this is a really big deal because uh, you might think to yourself, so what, Microsoft had data stolen. Uh, surely they can pay the price. Well, the good news is that this individual was arrested to help stop some of these attacks. The bad news is that those attacks impacted not just Microsoft, but AT&T and others. And if you think about who AT&T's customers are, you realize, oh, that impacts just the everyday person who uses AT&T services. And so it's a great thing that this individual was arrested, that some of the cyber crime that he and his group Shiny Hunters, also known as uh, Seizo Kaizen, uh, were conducting. Other attackers are surely to do this kind of activity, but the good news is that uh, the individual will face potentially up to over a hundred years in prison in the United States for their crimes, and hopefully that helps prevent at least one person from stealing data that could directly impact you. That'll do it for me today. Thank you all so very much. Have a fantastic rest of January. We'll see you bright and early tomorrow on the first day of February. Until then, stay safe, stay strong, stay healthy. Michael Kimmett signing off. Ciao.
Welcome back, listeners. Today's tip of the cap goes to the owner-operators of a vintage clothing store in the United Kingdom known as Glass Onion Vintage Warehouse. Now, Glass Onion Vintage Warehouse and its operators and owners are getting a sincere tip of the cap because when they buy vintage clothing in bulk, it's usually to turn a profit. And instead of turning a wildly profitable piece of clothing into that cash, they're doing the right thing. They found a garment that is believed to have been created in the 1800s by either the Medis or the Cree first national people in Canada, and instead of selling it, auctioning it, etc., they are seeking to reunite this one-of-a-kind, beautiful, ethnic, and cultural piece of art to those who created it, the legacy of the national peoples of Canada. And so uh, to you, Glass Onion Vintage Warehouse, for doing the right thing for the native peoples of Canada uh, and showing that there's always a better way to preserve rich art and history in the form of clothing, a sincere tip of the cap, and please keep on vintaging.